The Truth News Network. In a world where idiocracy is the new world order, it takes a strong voice to speak the truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And your beacon of light in the tunnel of lies is Dan Newman. Got to be honest with you, that term there, idiocracy, describing the political atmosphere in which we find ourselves is very applicable. Anything that's got the word idiot attached to it certainly points to what we have right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to TNN Live. You made it to the middle of the week. Yeah, it's hump day. And boy, did you make it to the middle of a week in a big way. All kinds of news flying across our continent, other continents, across the oceans. And um, there's one central theme through it all, folks. We're all in bad shape, and we've all got to stop thinking for ourselves and just listen to our government. They know what's best, and after all, we elected them to tell us what's best, right? That's what they say. That in the context of still to this day, there is no definitive answer to this question. Was the November 3rd, 2020 election legal and fair? Now, there are people out there that will scream to the mountaintops that it is, and anybody that disagrees is uh, a conspiracy theorist. It's those same people that after the 2016 election, they scream for four years. Many are still screaming that Donald Trump stole that election. Well, every day almost, it seems like some more news leaks out about that November 3rd, 2020 election and some quote-unquote irregularities. Today we have some more, and it's coming out of the state of Georgia. Don't forget, don't forget, this is critical for everybody. The LoveGov in New York took the plunge. Andrew Cuomo announced his resignation yesterday in the middle of 11 accusers accusing him of various types of sexual harassment and even sexual assault. Pretty spooky, pretty scary, pretty serious things. And it was interesting to note. Now, you put this in the context of we we know who Chris Cuomo is. We see him every night if you happen to uh, accidentally tune in to CNN. That's little brother Chris and Andrew. They are both tyrants. They are both narcissists. And Big Brother just happens to refuse to ever admit anything wrong in his life. And each state on that yesterday. He didn't apologize. He one more time in his speech announcing that in a couple of weeks he's leaving. Um, he didn't apologize for anything. He didn't accept any responsibility for any of it. And he doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on the fact he never touched anyone inappropriately. Never. Forget about what everybody's saying. And the evidence that apparently law authorities have is they're looking into criminal probes against the guy that is soon to be the ex-Love Gup. News, well, let's call it rumors. Rumors have it that Andrew Cuomo, soon to be ex-Governor Andrew Cuomo, 
is going to be joining his brother Chris at CNN. I can't wait. Now, what does a guy like Andrew Cuomo bring to CNN? Well, he doesn't bring integrity. He doesn't bring honesty. He doesn't bring any kind of real knowledge and especially no capability to speak about anything that is meaningful to most Americans. There's only one thing he could possibly bring to Jeff Zuckerberg and CNN. What would that be? There are people that will tune in to CNN just to see what he has to say. CNN is desperate. They've got to add to that huge audience of 13 people that call CNN their news home. And they think the governor can give them at least a dozen more viewers. Tongue-in-cheek, folks. They have more than that. I think the last time I looked, they actually had a couple of hundred. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Do you remember when news was really news? I do. Who were your three favorite newscasters on network television? Who were they? Mine? Oh, my gosh. Peter Jennings. I thought the world of him. Walter Cronkite, he was almost when he cracked the microphone and began to report, it sounded like the voice of God. I was never really into too much of the any of the NBC network news anchors and reporters. I just never liked I, I, it. Wasn't that I didn't like them, I just couldn't get accustomed to them. Chet Hunk, Huntley. Um, but anyway, we've got our own today. And I would think that you, for if, if you just look at the major networks, you know, on top of the three broadcast networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, the network shows, cable shows, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, and Newsmax, Newsmax. I think if you rolled all of those reporters into one, you might get, as far as truthfulness in a newscast, if they all joined in together, I would say you would probably get about 50% of a newscast that was actually reporting truthfully what news is really going on. And that's a sad state of affairs. What's worse, though, folks, is there are a lot of people out there that they just think it's great, and they love it. None of those people live in my house, I promise you. Uh, We have this thing, we're honest with each other, we want to be honest with everyone that we interface with, and we expect the same. And you just don't see much of that today. Well, how, in your opinion, is President Biden doing six months into his supposed four years atop the heap in Washington? Well, things aren't looking rosy for him, and you don't hear anything admitting or even talking about that coming out of his administration. Go figure. Some big news this morning. Bidenflation. Bidenflation stays high and prices are jumping 5.5%. The consumer price index rose 5.4% compared with a year ago. That was the Labor Department report late yesterday. Economists had expected that measure to go 
up by 5.5% on an annual basis and 0.5% compared with a year ago. Core inflation. Now, what is that? Well, core inflation excludes the volatile food and energy categories that go up and down based on a lot of things, weather, um, primarily weather and availability. Core inflation rose 4.3 compared with 12 months ago, apart from the prior month's 4.5% rise. So this is the biggest annual increase, folks, since 1991 and 0.3 compared with June of this year. Both figures were in line with expectations. And listen, folks, inflation, what does that mean to you? Well, it just means you're going to pay more for everything. And haven't we already seen that at the pump, at the grocery store, at Walmart? I mean, everywhere you go, you don't go to Walmart. You're not one of those dirty, dirty, greasy, slimy Walmart shoppers. Confession, I am. In fact, right before we went on the air, I went online looking for something at walmart.com. <laughs> I, it doesn't bother me, folks. I am not one of those people that just refuses to go to places for one reason and one reason only. They're just not good enough for me. If they have something I want or something I need, I don't care what their political affiliation is or where they sit in the... Uh, in the daisy chain of elitist shopping points to the least desirable. I don't even get into that. But anyway, it means to us, inflation means to us, to get the same things that we were getting before this guy was elected. We're paying more across the board. Everything's up. I had coffee with a good friend this morning. He is in a business that's involved in uh, the construction industry, and uh, they get a lot of their supplies. In fact, they get all of their supplies from overseas, ships. They import stuff from Italy, from um, South America, even North America, up in the northeast spot of the, the country, and it comes mostly by boat. When California locked down, You remember how egregious Gavin Newsom, the governor, his lockdowns were during the last year? You remember he shut everybody down. So what happened? Well, folks, everything that comes from Asia, everything, and a bunch of products that come from other parts just west of Asia, like India, they come into our western ports. And we have two really big ones. The biggest, of course, is Los Angeles, Long Beach. And the second is Seattle. Well, guess what happens? When ships come from overseas and they go into ports in the United States, they have their goods have to be unloaded. And that means dock workers. Gavin Newsom put every dock worker in California off the job for months. So what happened to these ships that are bringing all these supplies, building materials, cars, all kinds of stuff? They sat out in the ocean. They couldn't unload. And so what does that mean? A shortage. This friend of mine in the construction business said the prices for their products right now today, first of all, they can't get them. They're way late at getting them. They're getting some. And when they get the ones that they want, in some cases, they're two and three times more expensive to them before they sell them to their consumers. Why is that? 
You know what's happening? These ports are getting in bid wars. And the bid wars are lived. It's not about, hey, you know, um, we got these containers that you've normally been paying $10 to use, and now we're going to charge you 30 That's not what it is. The docks in these seaports, they're taking bids for positions for these ships coming into port to get unloaded. They're having a bid war for that. And this gentleman knows, and I used Walmart a minute ago just because I looked for a product before we went on the air, but in this case, Walmart is applicable. This is factual. It's been confirmed. Management from Walmart went to the port of Houston, which is the biggest, other than L.A., shipping port in our nation. Everything that comes into the south goes coming in through Houston, the port of Houston. Went down there and wrote the port of Houston a check for $150 million, and the deal they cut for that 150 was every Walmart ship that comes into the port gets pushed to the front of the line to unload. Now, what does that mean? That just explains. Bidenflation on top of the egregious lockdowns that were shoved down the throats of Americans last year are driving prices up, which means inflation, which means waiting. Our youngest daughter is a designer, a home designer, and she deals in high-end homes. When you go get You're going to build a house, and you go get bids for building that house. One of the critical pieces is a framing package. And so when your architect designs your your house, your home, obviously he designs the framing structure and creates a package. And when you go get bids from builders, you give them this, and here's the lumber that is going to be part of the, uh, the framing package, the structure, the skeleton of the home. Those framing packages in a matter of 90 days went up triple in cost. A $12,000 package, even before people could get their homes started, it went to $36,000, $40,000 in cost. What else, what extra are they getting for that? Nothing. Same package, same materials. It's just to get the materials, when you go through three or four different hands from starting at the guy that cuts the tree down all the way to the port when it comes through coming from overseas, if it's one of those that comes from overseas, all the prices are going up, 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 up. Bidenflation, don't forget that. It's not going to get better anytime soon, by the way. But it's really not bad. You know, I really don't know what I'm talking about. What do you know, Dan? You're not in government. You don't work in the Biden administration. You don't see the same numbers. They've got all the facts, and they know the truth, as you'll hear right now. Inflation ain't bad, according to Jen Psaki. Thank you. And then about what the votes in Congress and the next steps. A trillion for the infrastructure, three and a half trillion for the reconciliation. Is anybody here concerned that all of this government spending could lead to inflation? 
Well, as you know, we take inflation incredibly seriously. It's, of course, under the purview of the Federal Reserve. I would note that when we're talking about the budget reconciliation process, there are pay-fors put forward, including, including asking corporations and the highest uh, wealthiest individuals to pay a bit more, something broad swath, the vast majority of the American public supports. It's also uh, in our interest to help pay for these uh, vital investments. Uh, but I would note we take it seriously. We watch it closely. The Federal Reserve, who has the purview, has uh, predicted or put out a forecast that it, we expect it to go up a bit this year. We've long anticipated that, but to come back down to normal levels next year. And those and are the, the projections we follow. Last one, you talk about these vital investments in the infrastructure package. If it is so vital, then why is the President okay waiting to uh, for the House to take it up uh, until reconciliation is done? Why not just ask Speaker Pelosi, we need to do this, these bridges are crumbling, people need clean drinking water now? Well, these are vital because uh, they are long overdue, and it's important to modernize our infrastructure and make sure kids have access to clean drinking water. It's also designed as a plan that would be implemented over the course of eight years. It wouldn't be a huge injection immediately into the economy, to go back to your prior question. Uh, and we are confident and comfortable with the strategic approach of Speaker Pelosi. The President, of course, looks forward to signing each of these pieces of legislation into law. Go ahead. Jen Psaki just made me feel uh, all warm and fuzzy. <laughs> warm and fuzzy because she's got the facts. She's plugged in. I mean, she goes into uh, the Oval Office and meets with the president almost daily. And, of course, he knows everything about everything. He's Joe Biden. He's been in D.C. for 50 years. He knows where a lot of the skeletons are buried around town, partially because he helped bury some of them. It's spooky. Not so much knowing there's some bad stuff out there that is looming, that is on our horizon, that we're going to see, but that there are people out there that don't even think you and I understand any of it. And they just demand and they take for granted in many cases that that's what we do, that we just trust them explicitly and that we look and listen to them and believe everything they tell us. Thank God, thank God that we have the ability to get a lot of the news that had previously just been kept covered up. We never had access to it. More and more of it, thank goodness for the internet, for cable television, for online news sites, online programs like Truth News Network and TNN Live, where we can really hear some stuff that we're not hearing at all from the elitist lapdogs, the media disseminators, mainstream media. So, of course, you heard about this infrastructure bill. And I'm not going to wade into the weeds of did we and why did we and who's involved and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, It's past the Senate. Although the Biden Invest in America Act has been described as an infrastructure bill. Its impact on our life goes far beyond the roads, the railways, and the bridges that we heretofore have always thought that's infrastructure. New rules in the bill affect transportation, manufacturing, even water pipes, research schools, and a whole lot more. 2,702 pages. But you know what? 2,702 pages... 
that's smaller than many bills that have been passed in the past couple of decades. Congress today passes fewer bills than in the past. Why is that? Because modern bills tend to be larger, contain more provisions. And a lot of folks have criticized these large bills because they allow congressmen to throw together in groups multiple unrelated laws or even to hide financial favors to special interest groups. So here are a couple of things that we were able to pick out of the Biden infrastructure bill that you may not have heard about. Three of the strangest studies in the bill that are funded in the bill, you know, infrastructure bill, are equity in crash dummies. You heard me right. There's a section in the bill that focuses on equity and crash dummies. Don't get me to explain what that means. Also, the length of trains. And then there's this big one, the use of bicycles to respond to disasters. The dummy study is going to evaluate whether the seating positions of crash test dummies leads to worse vehicle safety for women, the elderly, the young, and people of unusual weight. (laughs) After getting the results, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration is going to decide whether to use crash dummies that better represent the effects of car crashes on these groups, women, elderly Americans, or young. Oh, by the way, fat people. They didn't say it in the bill. They call it people of unusual weight. Today, what are they using? Ah, they only use male dummies. Oh my gosh, that's sexist. The bicycle thing, this just blew my mind. It is going to determine whether disaster preparedness plans for areas with few cars should include bicycle use by first responders, by emergency workers, and even community representatives. At least eight small island towns across the nation don't allow cars. Another study is going to evaluate whether freight trains longer than 7,500 feet pose additional risk to people. In the past decade, trains have gotten longer. But most trains today are between 5,800 and 7,500 feet. Don't you feel better now that you know that? Another thing in the infrastructure bill, a segment in it plans to give low-income communities, including American Indian Reservation, grants of up to $15 million to replace their streets with new road-building techniques. Now, this doesn't say anything about streets and these places being bad right now, they just want to replace them using new road-building techniques. Some of the new streets will reflect sunlight. Wow, isn't that brilliant? Urban areas are usually 1 to 5 degrees warmer because roads and buildings absorb the sun's heat. Reflective streets, on the other hand, will eliminate some of this difference. So what does that mean? Elitism. Elitism. If you've got black type streets in your in your city, you're going to get more hot temperatures where these streets absorb more of the sunlight. 
which means those are mostly in minority communities, like these American Indians. And that's elitism and it's racism, and we are not going to allow that in our country. Other streets will better allow water to pass through them into the topsoil. Although these streets are more eco-friendly, they're also harder to install. I know it'll surprise you that they're more expensive and they're more difficult to maintain. But you know what? We get rid of that elitism and that discrimination thing, and that's what makes the world go round, literally. Mother Nature. Oh, when you get rid of racism and elitism, it just makes her happier. Part of the bill, infrastructure bill, it encourages female truck drivers. It organizes a commission to encourage women to get into driving trucks, noting that women hold 24% of trucking industry jobs right now, but often have fewer truck accidents. It declares that Congress wants the trucking industry to explore every opportunity to encourage and support the pursuit of retention of careers in trucking. To make sure this happens, Congress is creating a Women of Trucking Advisory Board to identify barriers and industry trends that directly or indirectly discourage women from pursuing and retaining careers in trucking. And the bill doesn't mention the possibility that fewer women will want these truck jobs. They're just going to throw a few billion dollars up in the air against it and say, hey, we tried. It also addresses women socially and economically disadvantaged. Women working in the transportation business are going to be categorized. Put them in a put them in a bucket over here. Going to be categorized as socially and economically disadvantaged individuals by the bill. Throw them all in a bucket. Just give them a label. Legally, a socially and economically disadvantaged individual is any non-white or woman with some exceptions. Biden's bill claims that discrimination keeps women and racial minorities out of the federally assisted transportation market. The bill states that race and gender neutral efforts alone are insufficient to address the problem. In other words, if you're a disadvantaged individual, an individual's advantage with the federal government, Women and minorities receive preferential treatment when working with the federal government for transportation. They're going to fix it just because they're going to be working with us and we're the federal government. His bill encourages the development of an eco-friendly American electric car battery industry, as well as advanced air cleaning technology. First, the bill offers grants to American companies that make the advanced batteries used in electric cars. The bill claims that batteries produced in the U.S. will enhance national security by reducing dependence on foreign goods. Once the electric cars wear out, their batteries will be recycled to hold electricity gathered by the electric power grid, as well as other uses. The government will also award grants to businesses that collect batteries for recycling. The bill offers grants to connect cars with roads, buildings, and other vehicles using intelligent transportation technologies. That's what I've always wanted. I want my car to speak to my house. It's in the bill. I'm not lying. It's in the bill. 
Finally, the bill demands large-scale use of carbon removal tech to filter carbon dioxide from the air. The bill claims this program is going to lead to economic development, hire people, new jobs, new jobs, high-tech jobs. And they put that all under this. It provides technological innovation and high-wage employment. It demands that critical minerals should be produced in the U.S. to the maximum extent practicable. Getting minerals required to make modern technologies is a national security issue, of course. Without an American source of important minerals, America will have to rely on other nations overseas. To let American companies mine minerals effectively, the government will make the federal permitting process for getting minerals easier. However, it will maintain its environmental standards. What what would you think right now? Just look at your world. What mineral? Now, mineral means something that comes out of the ground, comes out of nature. What mineral on planet Earth is the most sought after for widespread use? Now, that just kind of takes some of them out of the equation here. I'm talking about really widespread use. What mineral is the highest price with the greatest demand? You have no idea, do you? You know what it is? It's rhodium. Have you ever heard of rhodium? R-H-O-D-I-U-M. You know what rhodium is? Every catalytic converter on every vehicle, every big piece of machinery on planet Earth contains rhodium. Do you know where 100% of the rhodium comes from on planet Earth? Zimbabwe. Now, This bill is going to make it easier to produce all of these required modern technological things out of minerals here. So what does that mean? Rhodium is in the ground, folks. We don't have it in the ground. It's in Zimbabwe. So what is Joe going to do? Buy Zimbabwe so we have better access to more rhodium for our catalytic converters that, of course, have got to go in every one of his eco-friendly electric charge. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I missed it, folks. He's converting everything to electricity, and electricity doesn't expel carbon gas. We won't need rhodium. Dang it. Those poor Zimbabwe folks, they're going to lose a bunch of jobs because of Joe. (laughs) New oil pipelines rules. Oil companies and Native American tribes, they've long argued about oil pipelines that pass through their lands. So one of Biden's first things, as you know, he canceled the permit for the Keystone Pipeline. It caused controversy because the the path, the route of that pipeline went through territory belonging to the Rosebud Sioux, the Nakoda, and the Ani tribes. The infrastructure bill permanently prevents pipelines from going through Indian land with only federal permission. If a tribe wants to cancel a pipeline, there won't be a pipeline. No say-so by anybody else. He's giving federal firefighter raises. His bill increases federal woodland firefighter salaries by either 20 grand or 50%, whichever is less. Recently, the federal government struggled to retain woodland firefighters who make less money than their state and local equivalents. 
Without enough firefighters, America's forests become more vulnerable to wire fogs. And if uh, you're in the California as an example, if you're eco-terrorist out there, if they ramp down on using good processes to mitigate the ability for fires to scatter like they do in California, um, don't worry about it. Joe Biden's going to pay for people to come take care of you. Now, how do, how do you do that, Dan? How do you mitigate those things? Well, the Native Americans, you know, we think so much of them in context. Let's put what they think and what they've done for centuries in lands where they live, their lands. They mitigate fires. How do they do it? They burn underbrush. Every state in the United States did it until years ago when the eco-terrorist in California they got the environmentalist in government to pass a bill making that illegal. And that's why 90 plus percent of the fires in California over the last 20 years have been there. Because the underbrush that was previously being burned away to help the healthy trees grow and to get rid of those sparks that are beginning to start those fires... There's nothing for them to use as fuel because all of that burnt and dried out underbrush is gone. There's some other stuff in this. Salmon recovery money, $172 million to help West Coast salmon population recover from what they call human activities like eating salmon. (laughs) That adds to the $3.1 billion spent by the National Oceanic and Atmosphere Administration to help the salmon populations recover from human activities like getting eaten. (laughs) And part of this bill, I kid you not, folks, it includes money for communities that are planning to end all traffic deaths, 100% of all traffic deaths. And they're going to get this in the form of government grants. Unlike traffic safety programs, that are aimed to reduce deaths and injuries, the Toward Zero Deaths, they call it the TZD program, recommended in Biden's bill, has the goal of bringing both deaths and serious injuries on roadways down to zero. Now, how are they going to do this? Well, they say you got to build safer roads, install automatic speed limit enforcement devices in vehicles, using software to monitor drivers for tiredness and distraction, collect vehicle data, and link all vehicles by wireless devices. TZD criticizes Americans' willingness to accept risk. As long as this cultural risk acceptance exists, there's no way to reach the vision of zero traffic fatalities. To embrace traffic safety culture It is vital to create and instill the social imperative necessary to reject risky behaviors, engage protective behaviors, and embrace traffic safety policies. Now, not included in the bill is an explanation of how these policies that go into this plan to end all traffic deaths, they didn't even give one example, anything specific that points to a way, even a remote possibility to end all traffic deaths. But 
We're going to spend a trillion and a half dollars to try. (laughs) Folks, if you don't snicker, you're going to cry. This stuff is actually happening in the Biden administration on the watch of Chuck Schumer, Majority Leader in the Senate, Nancy Pelosi, House Speaker in the House of Representatives. And they believe the American people understand this, believe it's accurate, and want it to happen. In total disregard for the effectiveness, even if it possibly would happen, which most of it is impossible to happen, but maybe it's because they think we are going to feel good because we're actually spending money that we don't have to try to do all these things that probably will never happen. Why? Because they're impossible. But even in that scenario, you're still going to feel warm and fuzzy because you tried, right? So what's ahead? We're going to take our first break, but when we get back, folks, Nancy Pelosi is in the news this morning, and it may not be for what you believe she's involved in right now. Yeah, she's involved on the other end of this infrastructure bill that the Senate approved because it's got to go to the House now, and she controls every piece of legislation that is actually considered in the House of Representatives. We'll talk about that. But we'll also talk about something that popped up overnight. Nancy may be on her way out. That and more after this. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food, with no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. Oh, it's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. Put the wolf down. You guys good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive, no drama. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, he has Bud Light. And a chainsaw. Hey, what do you want to da da da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da da da? Well, what did we da yesterday? Hmm, yesterday. All the dolls feel like the same doll these dolls. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. Oh no, I forgot to call my mom on her birthday. Oh no! No! These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. That won't change. Not to da or any da. Quote to da at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Turn it up loud. Now that's a smart speaker. I don't care how loud you turn it up. It is what it is, folks. It is what it is. And so we talked about Nancy. What's going on with Nancy? Um, Let's look into this, folks. Representative Pelosi is thinking about exiting the House as Speaker. Why would you do this? Well, it's because things around the corner aren't looking really good in 2022. At California Globe is now hearing rumors that Pelosi is strongly considering not running for re-election next year. No desire to serve in a minority in the House, she said. Sources say this explains a push for her infrastructure deal. Well, it's really Joe's, and Chuck's already done his part. And that's one reason why she's pushing so hard, according to this story, to get it completed during what may be her 18th and final term as a member of the U.S. House of Representatives representing her district, San Francisco, in the House. She's under a lot of pressure not to lose her slim House majority. I think think there's only five-vote difference between Republicans and Democrats in the House, and that's the lowest majority in any House of Representatives in, gosh, 50 years, 60 years maybe? Speculation about her future after the midterms was uh, kind of underpinned yesterday by Atlantic Magazine. They published an article saying she would resign her leadership role in the not-so-distant future. So there are two things there. Number one, resigning as the House Speaker. Number two, not running for re-election. Two big question marks up in the air about Nancy Pelosi. And I got to be honest with you, this is one of those that uh, I got to I gotta tell you, if I could somehow vote in that election, I would certainly vote and would encourage any, any person in that congressional district, I don't care who, would be running to replace her. Think hard, think hard and make a decision to run, especially if you're a conservative, because she almost single-handedly, has become the most powerful person in Washington, D.C., in our government. And don't ask me how she's done it. Don't, Don't ask me why. I can't explain it. I do know the way the wheels turn in our political system in the Potomac Valley, and it's based solely on power. And how do you get power? All kinds of ways to do it. I mean, tons of different ways. And it just seems like Nancy has mastered more of those ways and is using them, implemented them in her life. And she's done a very effective job, not for the American people, not for the people of her congressional district in California, but she's done it for the political party, the Democrat Party. Probably having the most power with the smallest consensus in both houses of the U.S. Congress. And she's still controlling pretty much everything that goes on up there. Just saying. Well, the economy, even though we we talked about uh, Joe Biden and the Bidenflation piece, there's some other moving parts of it. Folks running small businesses, they, um, they really lost confidence in the economy in July as 
COVID infections accelerated. Companies from Amazon to Wells Fargo announced they're going to push back the reopenings of their offices. The uh, Confidence Optimism Index fell 2.8% to 99.7 in the month of July. In June, the index had claimed 2.9 points. Economists had forecasted another gain over 100%. Small business owners are losing confidence in the strength of the economy and expect a slowdown in job creation. And remember, this was to be the the enlightened administration, the ones that were going to teach us how and instigate the entire process of building back, not just building back, but building back better. Of course, Biden, he was talking about building back better after Donald Trump. But I think what every other Democrat was thinking, and many Republicans, I hope he leads us into building back better from a COVID-19 pandemic. In either case, whichever it was to be and as it turned out to be, he's failed miserably and it's getting worse and worse and worse by the day. A report from one consultancy firm said there are about a million more job openings today around the U.S. than there are people to fill them. The Department of Labor also said on August 6th there are around 8.7 million potential workers looking for jobs, and they're counted as being unemployed. However, a job placement website that's called Indeed said there are around 9.8 million job vacancies, which is several days, July 16th, after the government sample period for monthly workers. This site indeed said that job postings as of July 16th increased 35% above February 1st or before the virus really started to affect the United States. This is as of 2020, February 1st. As a result of the apparent workforce shortage, job postings mention urgency in hiring incentives. The share of job postings that use words like hiring urgently has jumped more than 50% since the start of the year. Job postings have been rebounding steadily since last summer. In recent months, job postings have increasingly mentioned urgent hiring. So, they can explain in the White House, the Saki gang, they can explain away the shortage of workers in the marketplace, and they don't want to take any responsibility for it. They don't even want to consider the additional a stipend that the federal government pays to unemployed Americans on top of their already getting state unemployment benefits on a weekly basis, the number on top of the state benefits that the feds are paying, and that's me and you, is 300 bucks a week. And so the sector of the economy, this is the irony of this. I, and I wonder if anybody in the Biden administration even looked into this before they they made that uh, decision to extend these $300 a week Fed payments to unemployed Americans for, in some cases, through the end of this year. The segment of our economy that needs this and needs to be at work more than any other is the blue-collar workers, the people in um, the the blue laborers, laborers, um, people in the restaurant and grocery business, people that work for $12 to $15 an hour, 
And so what's their incentive to go back to work? Well, you would think most people would say, man, we were locked down for months. You know, the states were closed. My business was closed. I had no place to work. My company couldn't make any revenue, so I couldn't expect them to pay me. I'm just ready to go back to work. But then here comes Uncle Sam and says, you know what? This thing happened for no fault of your own. You didn't do anything to create this problem of your income, your job, your employer. It was the federal government that Dr. Fauci instigated and really pressured the state governors and mayors to lock down, to close this down, based on the fact that if you do that, we're going to stop this COVID-19 pandemic. So here's what we're going to do. You just keep sitting on your butt at home and watching Oprah during the day or a soap opera or two, and we're going to pay you as much as you were making before you got laid off. There is no incentive for them to go back to work. And of course, then here comes Biden, and he tells everybody, I mean openly, an open microphone, he did his usual lean over and whisper. Here's what he whispered to business owners. Pay them more. Pay them more. Biden thinks that for a business to pay employees more sufficient amounts additional to make them want to come back to work, that it's just the employers. Reach into your pockets, the greedy employers that only think about profit. He has no clue. He has never made a payroll, never had to. He's never owned a business that he operated, ever. And there is no way, listen to what I'm telling you, folks, there is no way it's impossible for anybody to understand what an entrepreneurial business owner goes through. How many times, I would say it's less than 1% to 2% of businesses, small businesses in America, never have to worry about having enough money in the bank to make a payroll. And so what happens? Well, they have lines of credit. Sometimes they've made money in previous months, and what a good entrepreneur always does is socks it away. So when he has a bad month, he's still got money to pay his payroll you got to pay the employees to do everything. Often, these people go without paychecks themselves. Everybody in this room I'm sitting in that you've been through there where you've had to take money out of your pocket to make a payroll for your company, raise your hand. I see that hand. Wow, there's only one hand. Only one person in the room that's been there. I'm the only person in the room. It happens all the time. They can't relate to this. They can't. And by the way, also, because Joe Biden's never had a company, never managed a company, never had to make a payroll, nor had his previous boss, Barack Obama, although just because they're the enlightened ones, they're Democrats, and they just for that reason and no other reason are smarter than anyone else in the country about what? About everything. Doesn't understand it, has no desire to even learn about it. Businesses, folks, listen closely. I know we have a lot of business owners that are listening in. I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to the other people. I'm speaking to them. Businesses never pay taxes. Businesses never pay for employee pay raises. Now explain that, Dan. 
businesses, the only way, they have two ways to make profit. And when you make a profit, in direct contravention of what you hear all the time from those from the Democrat Party, companies that make profit are not evil. Companies that make profit are the ones that make the nation get up and go to work every day. Well, who pays for those pay raises and who pays for those corporate taxes? Corporations, they have to pass the cost of doing business along to somebody because if they don't make profits, why in the heck would they get up every morning and write big checks and go to work and hire thousands, millions of Americans to work for and with them? What's the incentive? There isn't any. And they don't. So, when you see a McDonald's in your town that they're now advertising starting wage at McDonald's in Podunk, America, where the cost of living is way, 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 way low. I'm not talking about New York City or Chicago or L.A. not talking about Atlanta or Miami or New Orleans or Houston or Phoenix. I'm not talking about big cities where the cost of living is higher. I'm talking about, uh, let me give you one, Dubok, Louisiana, population maybe 200. If they put a sign, if there was, and I don't think there's a McDonald's in Dubok, I hadn't been by there in years. Sandy Hills, that's the only reason I ever went there, was a little golf course, nine-hole golf course. I'm sure you feel better that I explained that to you. But if there was a McDonald's there and they posted a sign because Biden said, pay them more, and you want to pay your workers more, guess who pays? Maybe they were making $10 an hour or 11 or 12 Guess who pays that $3 an hour addition? They raise the prices of their Big Macs and those amazing French fries. Do you know I still think McDonald's has the best French fries of any fast food restaurant? They're always consistent. They're always crisp and salty. Ah, my mouth waters just thinking about them. Anyway, you and I pay for all of these pay increases. When a corporation has a profitable year and they make income, they have to pay taxes on the income. Well, not in every case, but in most cases when that happens, the cost for the company to operate goes up. They have to find a way to protect profit just to make it worth their while to do what they do. They pass the cost of that during the next year onto you and me. Let me give you an example. Tyson Foods, monster corporation, headquartered in Arkansas. Food stuff, chickens, I mean all kinds of stuff. I don't care where you live in North America, you can go to... um, the freezer section, the meat section in your supermarket, you're going to see some food there that is manufactured, packaged, distributed by Tyson. They are struggling to raise uh, their prices fast enough to keep up with the inflation in their key production inputs. Now, what is that? Grain, labor, and transportation costs. Transportation costs, why is that? Uh... That price of fuel at the pump thing that happened the day that Joe Biden canceled the XL pipeline permit, it started then. Transportation, folks, 
Well, shoot, Tyson ought to just put their their stuff on trains. They don't need to use these trucks. Uh, trains burn diesel. Train companies have to buy diesel, and it costs a dollar fifty more now for a gallon of diesel than it did on election day. In the quarter that ended July third, Tyson raised its average price for pork by thirty nine percent. Beef. 12%, chicken, 16%. So what do they do? They have to offset inflation. Tyson increased prices for restaurant customers and plans to raise retail prices on September the 5th. Branded and value-added products are the big ones affected by inflation. 14% it went up in the company's third quarter. We've seen an accelerating and unprecedented inflation, a spokesman said. Inflation is up about 14% during our third quarter and 9% year-to-date so far. And prices are still going up. Think about that, 9%. That means that French fry, that order of French fries, if it was, let's just say it was a dollar for an order of French fries on January 1st of this year. Right now, if this was Tyson Foods or whatever, it's going to cost you a buck nine cents, a dollar nine. Does that mean you get more French fries? No. Does it mean you get better French fries? No. It means you pay for the same thing, but you're paying nine cents more. Why is that? Well, just because Joe Biden's in the White House. Wow. So I had people looking at me last night watching the late news when they were talking about this infrastructure package, this bill, and 19 turncoat Republicans in the Senate jumped ship, went across the aisle and joined Democrats to pass it in the Senate, to send it over to the House of Representatives where Nancy Pelosi, House Speaker, is supposed to put it on the floor to be discussed, to be debated. We don't know if that's going to happen yet. Well, let me explain this process. I explained it last night. Pelosi wasn't worried about the infrastructure deal. That's just kind of like Lanyap. Do you know what Lanyap is? In Louisiana, we talk about Lanyap. It's the same thing as a baker's dozen. You know, that dozen donuts you buy, but you get 13. At least you did in the old days, and you still do here in Louisiana in most places. That's Lanyap. Something that you get extra, but you don't pay for. The infrastructure package that was approved yesterday in the Senate, that's Lanyap for Nancy. What's coming right behind that is the one that she's after. It's a $3.5 trillion bill. Originally, when they were structuring this, the Democrats, they had it all thrown in one big bucket. It was real infrastructure. And then there was what they're calling $3.5 trillion of social infrastructure. And folks the social infrastructure part of this bill that's about to be uh, headed to the Senate, $3.5 trillion, it has nothing, not one dime in it has anything to do with infrastructure. It's got all kinds of crap in it. I won't even go into it, but it has nothing to do with infrastructure. It's more about green energy kind of things. Billions, hundreds of billions of dollars for things that you'll shudder to know about when the details begin coming out. We're not going to do that today. We'll do it later this week or next week. 
Senator Bill Haggerty, who's a Republican from Tennessee, he said that Pelosi is making House Democrats support for that $1.2 trillion, what they call the bipartisan infrastructure deal, the one that was approved yesterday by the Senate. She says, and she said it from the beginning, whether or not they even, on her orders, take up that bill, the first one in the House, it's totally dependent on what the Senate does on the $3.5 trillion spending bill that's coming up across the Capitol from the House. So House and Senate Democrats are coordinating support for the first one, the $1.2 trillion, and the $3.5 trillion spending proposal. Haggerty said this, as we move into this $3.5 trillion fiasco, that package, as promised and on cue, is going to be brought to the floor as soon as we finish voting on the $1.2 trillion piece. He said this yesterday before they voted and passed that little one. This is part and parcel. They're the same thing. It's a two-part plan to transform America. As Bernie Sanders has said, that's what he said it was going to be. He's been the author of this, and what we're seeing is the actual realization of Joe Biden's promise during the campaign to transform America. Haggerty said the two bills combining nearly $5 trillion in spending, if passed, expand government control, and it centralizes the power in the nation to Washington, D.C. I know that shocks you. What have I always told you here? It used to be about money. Everything in Congress, everything in D.C. used to be about money. That went out the window a long time ago. Well, why is that? I mean, we're talking about $5 trillion. That's money, Dan. What's the deal? Oh, you don't get it. The dollars in these two bills combined, those are just little things. What's more important to Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and the rest of the Democrats, and oh, by the way, George Soros, power, unfettered, unmitigated power to the federal government controlled by Democrats. Wow. Just because you think something's right doesn't mean it's right. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. But always get the truth about right and wrong here at TNN, the Truth News Network. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted, toasted six-month-old six cheddar right onto the shell of a chalupa. That's genius, no delicious, no both. And now it comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink. Whoa. Oh, sorry, this is, this is my stop. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax extra drinks excludes freezes. Coffee, fuel of the modern economy. The age-old Italian tradition of burning beans and drinking the bitter bean juice. At Burn Bean Coffee, our environment is perfect for all of your work needs. There's no better place to be distracted than the Burn Bean Coffee Shop and Cafe. Our coffee technicians are trained to make a variety of coffees and sugary coffee-themed drinks just as you like it. All while generally making more noise than anyone could reasonably ignore. So drink up and let the productivity flow. Sippy sip, coffee fans. Burn bean coffee. Get it while it's hot. Due to recent court actions, we are required to warn against the drinking of hot coffee. 
think at this point in the day it's applicable that we go back and uh, we take up our COVID conversations by giving you some facts that you're not hearing anywhere else. This first one may blow your minds. In some countries that have high vaccination rates, such as the United Kingdom, Israel, Chile, listen folks, infections of COVID among the fully vaccinated group is outpacing those in the unvaccinated community. In spite of all the reports you're hearing, oh, we've got a pandemic, Biden said, a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And even every news story you hear now about the ramp up of infections around the nation, have you noticed at the end of every every number that they give you, 28,000 infections today, 99% among the unvaccinated. Those numbers are false. They're not true. And the reason you're hearing them in every report of infections is because they are trying to use fear, again, fear of COVID-19 and what might happen to an individual. They're trying to force you to take a vaccination. Here's an example. A recent study revealed that infections and vaccination people in the UK rose by 40%. In the last week, this was actually a report that was done at the end of last week, so we're talking about two weeks ago, 40% infection rate up compared to cases in unvaccinated people. In unvaccinated people in the same week, across the United Kingdom, folks, unvaccinated people cases decreased by 22% compared to the previous week. Last week, the week before that, and the week before that, according to the CDC, reported numbers of deaths at COVID-19's hands. The deaths in all three weeks of unvaccinated patients that died of COVID-19, unvaccinated people, fewer of them died in those same weeks than did people that had been vaccinated. So the study we're talking about was published by King's College in London. It operates the Zoe COVID study application to monitor across the UK COVID infection and vaccination rates and includes data up to the week of July 15th. With cases in the vaccinated group still going up, The number of new cases in the vaccinated population is set to overtake the unvaccinated in the coming days. Now, the UK is among the most vaccinated countries globally, folks. It's experienced right now the third wave of coronavirus infections, reportedly largely due to the spread of the Delta variant. We're hearing the same thing from our folks over here. The Delta variant scaring everybody to death. Israel is also experiencing a new wave of COVID infections due to the variant and is one of the countries with the most vaccinated population. There in Israel, about 85% of adults have been vaccinated. However, folks, most new coronavirus infections are reported to occur in vaccinated people. In early July, former health minister Shezi Levi confirmed that 55% of newly infected people in Israel 
had been vaccinated. An epidemiologist, Caitlin Jettolini, is quoted in the Washington Post, of all places, quote, the more vaccinated a population, the more we'll hear the vaccinated getting infected. This is her argument to justify that the vast majority of the newly infected and hospitalized are vaccinated. According to vaccine advocates, what is happening in Israel, because about 85% of the population has been vaccinated there, that means that Israel's vaccinated community is five times larger than the unvaccinated. But what they leave out, they won't talk about this, the effectiveness of the vaccines, which are supposed to prevent infections, not increase them. So, I mean, don't don't even put any of this in context. Let's do what they do. Let's just look at the, the numbers. It's happening in the UK. It's happening in Israel. And more and more people are getting vaccinated. They tell us, Fauci, everybody else, Walensky at the CDC. Look what's happening to the East. Everything that we get in the U.S., it comes from and through Europe first Watch what happens over there. We need to be able to tweak our system so that we don't have here any of the bad stuff that they're having there in their COVID infections, and we can prevent that from coming to us by making changes. So what do we do as far as the information we're hearing from over there? Well, if you're at the CDC, here's exactly what you do. You quit reporting on your website, which until... Late July, you were reporting every Friday on your VAERS report section. You were reporting the crossover infections, the infections of already vaccinated people. And you quit reporting those numbers. Why? There's only one reason why the CDC would not do that. It does not support the underlying clamoring thing that they scream from the mountaintops, which is, you got to vaccinate. You've got to vaccinate. They don't even want to talk about emergency use authorization only. And that means under the law, a vaccine of any kind can only be given monitored by a doctor. And yet Joe Biden was on camera yesterday bragging about the fact, well, a couple of months ago, we had big sports arenas where people were coming in by the thousands, even driving through and getting vaccinated. Those weren't doctors giving those shots. Those weren't medical professionals that had face-to-face conversations about everything medically going on with each of those people that got a vaccination. We have more than 20,000 deaths, more than 20,000 deaths in the nation COVID-19 deaths, that, that is a number, and it's probably way, 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 way low. People that have died from just getting a vaccine, one of the three, Moderna, Pfizer, or Johnson & Johnson, one of those vaccinations and having acute symptoms come up, some people get tremors, People get heart palpitations. We're hearing about myocarditis, inflammation of the heart. I mean, it's dozens of things that 
if this vaccine process had been handled normally, the way a uh, human trials process is handled over an extended period of time to find out what the side effects are really going to be, none of this would have happened because they would have tweaked it, would have retested it. None of this would have happened. 12 of the 15 most vaccinated countries in the world are considered risky for travel by the CDC. Now, what happened to that? Oh, man, when you get vaccinated, you're not going to get the vaccine. You can go anywhere. You don't have to uh, socially distance. You don't have to wear a mask anymore. That's what they sold us, this early process of getting vaccinations. That's what they sold us on. CDC updated August 2nd its list of the riskiest countries for travel due to the increasing cases of the virus there. What's striking is 12 of these 15 countries, they're on the Johns Hopkins list. That's Johns Hopkins in Maryland, folks, U.S., United States. Johns Hopkins' list of most vaccinated countries are currently listed by the CDC as high or very high COVID travel risk. In a study released last Friday by the CDC on that COVID-19 outbreak up in Massachusetts, we reported to you 74% of the new infections occurred among the vaccinated community. They looked at 469 cases of COVID-19 in the resort town of Cape Cod alone and reported that 74% occurred in fully vaccinated people. So let me ask you this. Here's an obvious question. Is it even remotely possible that the vaccines, something in the vaccines, actually increase infections? Well, French virologist and, by the way, a Nobel laureate, Luc Montagnier, he said in May that mass vaccination programs for COVID may actually be causing COVID mutations, such as this Delta variant and this prolonged this prolonging of the pandemic. Montagnier explained that in every country that does a mass vaccination campaign, the vaccination curve is followed by a death curve. Now, why didn't CBC tell us about this? Why didn't they talk about this? In August, Montagnier made new declarations. These vaccines carry a part of the virus RNA encoding its peak protein, which binds It's designed to do this to target cells. Montagnier explained that the manufacturers, that's Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson, naively believed and made everybody else believe that the injected organisms would generate a strong antibody response and that would neutralize the surface protein and therefore prevent transmission of the virus. But the facts say otherwise. The vaccines don't prevent person-to-person transmission, and the vaccinated are as many transmitters as the unvaccinated. Therefore, any desire or wish or hope for a collective immunity through an increase in the number of vaccinated, it has no place in history that shows that's the case. Again, there is no looking back at the vaccinations in world history that shows the more that get vaccinated for these diseases are going to be taken care of 
and there will be a transmission decline from person to person or even go away. These are facts, folks. These are facts. We're not getting them from the CDC. We're getting them from somewhere else. Now, I'm going to I'm gonna weigh in here. I've got some uh, somebody I want you to hear in just a minute. I'm going to get away from uh, this global scale and get kind of personal. As you've heard me say here before, our sons in senior management at a large hospital in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Now, I spoke to him this morning. Um, they have three hospitals. One's in Plano, one's in Arlington, and one's in Dallas proper. The three combined are the go-to facilities in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex where all of the serious COVID patients get transferred from other hospitals. These three. And so every morning he gets a census, as does everybody in senior management. They get a, cons- uh, a census of people in the hospitals, number of patients total, number of COVID patients and the percentages, and then a number of ICU, how many ICU beds are being taken up by COVID patients. Now, we've heard again and again for three or four days this flood of high infection numbers in the states of Florida and, of course, Texas. And the reason being, according to Washington, D.C., and the Biden administration, it's because those two governors laxed. They uh, they have been anti-vax, not really anti-vax, but they haven't been promoting people to get new vaccinations, uh, anti-mask, and they don't want there to be a mandate for people to either wear a mask or to be vaccinated. And because of that, the COVID gods hate, hate Ron DeSantis and Governor Abbott in Texas, DeSantis in Florida, because they're going against the grain of the COVID gods, which are spoken by the likes of Joe Biden and Anthony Fauci. Here's a story. This morning, folks, dozens of Texas hospitals have run out of intensive care unit beds as COVID-19 surges faster than any other time during the pandemic propelled, of course, by the new Delta variant. The state, the story says, is divided into 22 trauma service areas. Half of them reported 10 or fewer available ICU beds on Sunday this week. More than 9,400 COVID-19 patients filled the state's ICUs, which are reserved for the patients who are the sickest or the most injured. The trauma service area that includes Laredo reported no available ICU beds, while the area that includes Abilene reported having one. At least 53 Texas hospitals have no available ICU capacity. That's according to numbers reported to the federal government during the week ending August 5th. In Austin, five hospitals were at or above 90% of their ICU capacity during the same period, with two reporting no available ICU beds. So, it stopped right there. Let me tell you what the the census this morning is of 9 a.m. of these three big hospitals. Between the three, probably 4,000 beds all in. Let me give you the numbers. The accurate, exact numbers. Okay. Let me find my text. I'm probably...
probably like you. Um, I look at a lot of text during the day, and sometimes when I do, I uh, <laughs> I lose one. Didn't lose it, but misplaced it. I'm going to go back to this one because I got it right at time we were going on the air. I'm having problems finding the number. I may be looking at the wrong place. Bear with me because it's stark. The number is, um, it's shocking. It was to me at least. And uh, it was in light of the fact that we're hearing all these numbers coming out of both Florida and Texas and especially down in, um, in South Texas. We're, hitting, we're hearing big numbers. And I mean, uh, folks, there are big numbers and there are a lot of people that are sick. There are a lot of people that are sick all the time. But the sky is not falling and we're not dying. Some are, and there will always be people that die at the hands of COVID-19. Always. I cannot believe this. I can't believe this. Let me see if I've got it on my phone. He flips me the numbers pretty regularly. Okay, here we go. One of the hospitals, 20% of the COVID beds... I'm sorry, that's not accurate. 14% in that first hospital. 14% of the hospital in COVID beds, and they've been running as high as 40. The biggest hospital of the three, 8.9% COVID patients. And the one right in the middle, 17% of the hospital in COVID patients. ICUs, their percentages are exactly in all three hospitals of ICU beds, all at the normal number this time of year. No increase whatsoever. So what's going on? What is the scoop on this? I mean, we're talking about the three biggest places in Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, approximately 6 million people. And 90% of the COVID patients go when are split up between these three hospitals as they've had them during the height of the pandemic. And their numbers are actually lower than normal. Certainly not what we're hearing from South Texas or in the news. And what tells me, what screams louder than anything about this is the fact that none of the major networks will talk about what I just gave you. They won't talk about any good news at all about COVID-19. To them, folks, I honestly think that they define good news on COVID stuff as being bad news for patients. And that's a sad, sad thing to think about. Let me give you something else that's sad. This one kind of blows my mind. More than half of babies throughout vaccination history since records are being kept, 1990 through today, babies, the ones that have to get immunized for the, you know, the old regular shots. This is pre-COVID. Half of babies die within a few days of being immunized. Now, this is from the CDC. 
the database revealed a direct link between vaccination timing and SIDS, Southern, uh, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. A complete exhaustive study done by the Institute of Medical and Scientific Inquiry. Independent folks, they don't have a dog in the hunt. They discovered that most of the 2,605 infant fatalities reported between 1990 and this year, 20, at the end of 2020, they clustered in close proximity to the date of vaccination. 60% occurred within three days of getting it, 78% within seven days. The study found further fatalities within these ranges were statistically significant, showing there's less than a 0.001% chance of this outcome being random. The same type of clustering was found that 100, uh, excuse me, 1,048 SIDS-related infant deaths out of a total of 2,605 reported to VAERS, the CDC. If there's no link between vaccination and infant deaths, the researcher, statistician claims you would expect to see an even spacing of deaths within the time frame reported prior to the vaccination instead of this clustering thing. Now, why is this important? This is not about COVID-19. This is not about Moderna or Johnson & Johnson or Pfizer. This is about the whole vaccination thing. There's something up there. There's something about it. And it needs to be looked at. And we need to stop just waving this broad brush in the air every time there is an open mic and somebody like Anthony Fauci or Dr. Walensky or even Joe Biden get in front of it and start talking. There needs to be some serious discussion and thinking through about this stuff before we just start waving our hands and saying, oh, it's a fact, it's a fact, it's a fact, when we know in many cases it's not a fact. And instead, we have people, thousands of people that have died, a couple of hundred thousand people that have adverse reactions to this latest of these vaccinations. Now, listen to me. I'm not anti-vax at all. I'm not. All three of our children, Marianne and I ourselves, we took vaccinations as kids. We took every one of them. Did we have adverse reactions? Well, none of us have died. I don't know. I don't remember. I was too little. My parents didn't tell me about any, if there were any. So this is not a, a situation that affects millions of people that we know about. But it should send up a red flag. It should send up a flag to say, maybe we need to, we need to dig into this. And here's a problem that I, I think it hurts the most, is if you even mention something like that, in the context of the lives in which we, we live, you're automatically branded as a nutcase, a conspiracy theorist. I'll bring up one that you've all heard for years now. We've heard people say there must be a tie between children, child vaccinations, and autism. And if you say that, bring it up in public, oh my gosh, you're branded immediately. We live in the United States of America. We have the best health care, the best medical system for treating our patients than any other country on planet earth we have the the biggest economy in other words we have the money to get what information we need to make good decisions 
in the context of all of those things that I just said, why haven't we launched as a government, as a people, a massive investigation to find out what causes autism? Don't tell me we can't find it. Don't tell me that we can't find the root cause of any of the mental illnesses that we face, the deficiencies that we face. I don't care what our age is. And there's plenty of that to go around. Why haven't we done that? There's got to be a reason. There's got to be a reason. (sighs) Dementia is just as critical as autism. Autism is just as critical as dementia. And these are biological things that happen to us. There has to be an underlying thread of responsibility or at least contributing factors in these things. And knowing that and looking if you in any way will be open-minded enough to even consider all of the adverse reactions that we're reporting every Friday here to you that people are experiencing, these are only the ones that are reported. You got to remember this. They tell us that the real numbers could be as much as a hundred times higher than the numbers that we're giving you. Total deaths reported to VAERS today that are attributed to vaccinations last Friday, 4,063, 4,063, 1,984 of them were from the Moderna vaccine, 1,739 from Pfizer, 319 from Johnson & Johnson an unknown source or unknown type of vaccination that 21 people die. Now that's just the deaths, folks. There are tens of thousands of people that have had adverse reactions. In some cases, people can't walk. And that's facts, folks. It's not conspiracy. We consider ourselves to be the most enlightened country, the most enlightened citizens on planet Earth. Why don't we get to the bottom of it? Why don't we find out what the heck is going on? More after this short break. Uh Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Julie. Hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? (laughs) Leslie, guess what today is. It's hump day. Ronnie, how happy are folks who save hundreds of dollars switching to Geico? I'd say happier than a camel on Wednesday. Hump day! Get happy. Get Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion smoky barbecue. Cheddar sour cream salt and vinegar too. You sample them all cause the crisp is so good on your lips You left your wallet at home, but now you have a new best friend The many flavors of Lay's chips, one taste and you're in love Long live the courageous The tenacious ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good. 
a helping hand. Those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram. Proven to last. Conservative thought, not just talk. At TNN, the Truth News Network. And again, Dan Newman. Who do we look to every day when we start our day and we're trying to figure out what's going on regarding COVID-19? We always look, we look to D.C. to hear what Dr. Anthony Fauci has to say. As a consummate expert, self-appointed, and propped up by a lot of people that say he is the most knowledgeable person on the planet for all things to do with viruses, epidemics of any kind. And he has been around a long time. He's well paid. He's the highest paid federal employee there is. But of late, Fauci's been exposed at uh, not being truthful about a lot of things. And I struggle with this. At the very beginning of this, I thought it was exciting that we had somebody that was on the lead filling us in from a knowledgeable purpose uh, perspective, not not for any political reason or purpose, but just to get us the facts so we can make good decisions, like Dr. Anthony Fauci. And then be, we begin to listen to him say things and give us facts, and then they turn out not to be facts. Not one time, folks. I'm, I mean dozens of times Fauci has, on national television, said, this is a fact only to be proven to be wrong. And sometimes nobody even has to say anything. They just find out that he was wrong. Not one time has he ever apologized. Not one time has he ever apologized for ever giving us bad information. And we're not talking about, you know, uh, you know, you need to go to this nail place because these people down here are really good and you go there and they screw up your nails. We're not talking about something like that. We're talking about life and death decisions, choices that we're making. And it's so bad and it's so obvious that there are many people in America that they look for and listen for Dr. Fauci to give us information just so they can confirm their feelings that the truth is actually 180 degrees away from what he says is the truth. So what's the latest, latest, latest? Well, he's all over Ron DeSantis and Governor Abbott. Florida and Texas, those those governments, because they're just basically opening up the door and putting their people in harm's way. Oh, by the way, those uh, rapid infections, ICU rooms that are in great demand in Texas that we hear, all of those are down in way south Texas. Now, what happens down there every day? Let's see. Illegal immigrants being released across South Texas every day and have been for six months on Joe Biden's demands and instructions. And then the number one place outside of Texas that the Biden Homeland Security and ICE Border Patrol folks are sending these illegals to all across Texas, primarily in the southern half of Texas. The other destination is Florida. 
the two states with the highest ramp up of COVID-19 infections in Texas, they're happening down south, not up in North Texas. And the other big one in the U.S. is Florida, the second biggest destination for illegals that get brought into the United States, whoever brings them in. But once they get here, the Biden folks take them over and they'll send them anywhere they want to go and they're wanting to go to Florida. And they're going on your dollar to Florida. I don't have any facts, but all I can do is look at the numbers and look at the geography and it all adds up. The quacks and waddles, it's usually a duck. So what is Fauci's latest? Well, it's on vaccination mandates. And so what did he do yesterday? He was all over television on the great talk shows, news talk shows on Sunday. And um, he came back yesterday and found a microphone and he weighed in on the teacher vaccination thing. And that some places are on the verge of saying, if you want to teach in our school system this year, you must be vaccinated. Dr. Fauci, do you agree with Randy Weingarten, the head of the largest teachers union in the country who came out yesterday and said, yes, teachers should be vaccinated inside schools. Do you think they should be mandated to be vaccinated? Yeah, I'm gonna upset some people on this, but I think we should. I mean, we are in a critical situation now. We've had 615,000 plus deaths and we are in a major surge now as we're going into the fall, into the school season. This is very serious business. You would wish that people would see why it's so important to get vaccinated. But you're not going to get mandates centrally from the federal government. But when you're talking about local mandates, mandates for schools, for teachers, for universities, for colleges, I'm sorry. I, I mean, I know people must like to have their individual freedom and not be told to do something, but I think we're in such a serious situation now that under certain circumstances, mandates should be done. It's so interesting to me that we formally, anytime we talked about infections, any place in America, even overseas, when we talked about the numbers of infections, we always included the numbers of the deaths. You remember the John Hopkins Institute for months Every day, they put a chart up. They had on their website and Fox News, other of the news agencies would on their home pages every day, would put this chart and it had state by state and also in the world, the numbers of infections and the numbers of deaths. Fauci, Dr. Walensky from the CDC, Joe Biden, Jen Psaki, none of them talk about the numbers of deaths that are happening on a daily, a weekly, or monthly basis, and certainly not putting that number in comparison and context to previous numbers of COVID-19 deaths. You know why that is. The infections are infections, but the death rate continues to go down, and that's not good news if you're part of this administration and you're part of this process of grabbing power and you're trying to, and in many ways being very effective, very successful at seizing power from Americans through scaring us to death. Get a vaccine, not because you're going to die, because 
Odds are you're not. 99% of you are going to live. <laughs> That's And it's even higher than that. But they, they put this out there, the fear of the unknown, and we just take it and swallow it and make it part of our lives. And in great part, folks, it's not true. So Fauci, I'm sure he signaled in his little speech there, he signaled to all the governors around the nation, we're not going to have a national vaccine mandate, but I think we need to do it on a local basis. I think we need to see it happen more and more and more. And the justification is, oh my gosh, look at all these cases that are coming in. Were you with us the first hour of the show? More cases in Israel, more cases in the UK, more new cases are happening. They're highly vaccinated, far more vaccinated than our Americans in numbers and in percentages. More people are getting COVID in Israel and across the United Kingdom that have been vaccinated than people that have not. Why is that? Let me tell you something that I heard Dr. McCullough. You've heard him here on this show. You hear him on some of the major networks as well. He is the number one cardiologist bar everyone in the world. He's been around this. In the last year and a half, he's been right in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic and the vaccination thing. Listen to what he said. Some reporter, when he said, you know, the case numbers are going up, but the deaths aren't going up. Why is that? And McCulloch said, let me tell you why the case numbers are going up. Nobody's talking about this. Do you know that those vaccines, they all contain an element of the virus? It goes in there. That's what, that's what viral shots have always been about. You get that body of that person to be immune against that virus because your body, when it's exposed to this virus or this bacteria, whatever the disease is you're vaccinating for, your body will naturally build antibodies, create successful ways for your body to beat back this infection. And he said, think about it. Look, in fact, he pointed to Europe. This is last week. I heard him say this. He pointed to Europe. He said, look at the case numbers over there. The infection rate are going up. Why are they going up? Because more people are walking around with the virus within them, and they're shedding the virus to other unvaccinated people And now we find out this Delta variant, Dr. Fauci told us two weeks ago, this is going to impact people that have been vaccinated are going to get this new one. Because more people are walking around shedding the virus that has been injected into them with other people. Nobody's talking about that. That's a fact, folks. That's a fact. So Joe Biden yesterday in a press conference, he was uh, he was asked if the federal government is contemplating doing a mandatory mask or vaccine mandate nationally. 
And he formally would say, oh, no, no, that's a state-by-state thing. Well, yesterday he said this. He said, we're checking on if my presidential powers give me the ability to intervene in states banning mask mandates. I don't believe that I do thus far, but we're checking on that, he said. When asked if he could intervene in, obviously, Texas and Florida that have banned mask mandates. But there are federal workforces that I can't. So I only point that out to tell you, don't be shocked if you see a federal mask mandate, especially if the FDA gives permanent authorization for the use of the three vaccines. That will be the coup de grace for him, the final straw that will say, aha, now the experts have said it works, and so we're going to make it work for everybody. It's coming, folks. It's coming. Let's switch gears. Got some tidbits of news that are, in my opinion, very important information that you need to know about. Non-COVID, not illegal immigration. We have so many things that we could spend hours talking about, don't we? But let's look back at that election irregularity in November last year. Oh, no, you can't talk about that, Dan. You're a nut job. Well, look at Georgia. We already reported, we gave you statistics that the Secretary of State's office in Georgia found massive irregularity in votes that were cast illegally by people that live someplace they voted at, some county they were not registered to vote in. They had moved away. A bunch of people that had moved out of state, people that filled in absentee ballots and didn't return the requisite documentation to prove their identity. That all happened. That's not even contested. Nobody wants to talk about it in the aftermath. There was no election fraud or irregularity. Records obtained by Just the News gave us an unprecedented glimpse into the human adjudication of thousands of ballots in Georgia where marks that were made for candidates like Trump were sometimes removed so the ballots could count for Biden. A Dominion voting machine rejected a ballot on election night. This is just one example. Why? Because the voter had filled in boxes for both Trump and Joe Biden, an era known as an overvote. So the machine determined neither candidate should get a tally. The ballot was referred for human review, for somebody to look at it and see what they could do. The image of the ballot, which was obtained by Just the News, shows the voter messily scribbled a large blob in the box to select Trump as president, while also putting a thinner check mark next to Biden's name. And this is specific, time-specific, at 6.10 p.m. Eastern Time on November 4th, 24 hours after the ballot was first scanned and rejected by machine number 5150. A panel of humans decided the vote should be awarded to Biden with the notation, Mark Removed for Donald Trump. And they even posted a picture of that ballot on their website. And you can look at it yourself. It's just the news Dot com, and go to the story that references Georgia ballots rejected by machines were later altered by election workers to count. 
scores of additional ballots that same day had checks manually removed next to Trump's name, as well as many other candidates up and down the ticket, libertarians, Democrats, and write-ins all. And the votes were awarded instead to other candidates. And so it's an arcane process. It's in every state's system. It's called adjudication. That's where human judgment takes over the machine scanning in cases where voters incorrectly filled out a paper ballot. Election officials and official observers have dealt with it for years, with everyday citizens mostly oblivious to it happening. It happens in every election. But in 2020, adjudication played a much bigger role in states like Georgia, which allowed hundreds of thousands of additional citizens to vote absentee for the first time because of the pandemic. In all, more than 5,000 of the 148,000 absentee ballots cast. That's about 3% in Georgia's largest county, Fulton County, where Atlanta is. 3% of those ballots required some form of human adjudication. That's according to logs that were obtained from the Fulton County Registrar's Office by Just the News. And in this story, there's another link for you to see that there. The adjudication ballots are not enough to change a Georgia election in which Biden and Trump were separated by less than 13,000 votes. We need to point that out. But they reveal an imperfect system that is rife for chaos, subjectivity, political dirty tricks, especially in a place like Fulton County where state officials documented widespread irregularities that we talked about at the top of this story, and misconduct, and now I want to take over the election counting. This news site, Just the News, John Solomon runs it, runs it. You see him all the time. He's probably the number one um, investigative journalist in the nation today. His firm reviewed 1,604 pages of adjudication logs from Fulton County alone, reviewed 4,820 of the 5,064 ballot images in which human vote counters reviewed or overrode the Dominion voting machines. The review provided an unprecedented window into the extraordinary discretion accorded to adjudication judges to interpret a voter's intent on a flawed ballot. But it raised one more question, at least in Georgia, where election regulations create two conflicting imperatives. One regulation is quoted on each absentee ballot, emphatically declares a paper ballot should be deemed spoiled and uncountable if a voter makes any mistakes or if there are any unauthorized marks. Quote, if you make a mistake or change your mind or change your mind on a selection, do not attempt to mark through the selection or attempt to erase it. Write spoiled across the ballot and across the return envelope and get a new ballot. Language on each ballot says that. So hundreds of ballots were reviewed that met the spoiled definition. Ballots that voters had in some way, they had altered, defaced, corrected. Hundreds were still allowed to count after adjudication. The reason? 
Another Georgia regulation gives election officials discretion. They have discretion to determine the intent of a confused voter and actually encourages them to find a way to make flawed ballots count. The Georgia Election Code stipulates voting tabulators must be programmed to reject any ballot, including absentee ballots, on which an overvote is detected, with those ballots to be manually reviewed by a review panel for following their rejection. If a voter has marked his or her ballot in such a manner that he or she has indicated clearly and without question the candidate for whom he or she desires to cast his or her vote shall be counted and such candidate shall receive his or her vote. Yet state law also directs that a ballot should be considered spoiled if in part a voter has used it to cast more than the permitted number of votes a spoil ballot shall not be reinstated, the code states. Instruction on the Secretary of State's website suggests voters have no choice but to declare their ballot spoiled in the event that they make a mistake. If you inadvertently make an error, spoil, or otherwise deface the ballot, immediately contact your local county board of registrars or the municipal absentee ballot clerk, whichever is applicable, to receive a replacement ballot. None of that happened in Georgia. How much? Was it 2,000, 3,000, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000? We don't know. Fulton County is the only place they look, folks. There's no voting irregularity in our elections. There wasn't any in 2020. Oh, but there was massive voter irregularity. Donald Trump stole the 2016 election. Here's another story that I almost cried when I read this last night. Christian political leaders in the nation of Syria on Monday reported that the Christian population of that country has dropped from about 10% of Syrians in 2011, that was at the beginning of the Syrian civil war, to just 3% as of this year. That's a 66% decrease in the Christian population generally. Now, what does that mean? Why has it dropped that much? Are people dropping out of Christianity? Well, they are, folks, but not purposely. Christians in Syria and neighboring Iraq endured years of attempted genocide against their populations by ICE a Sunni jihadist organization that established a caliphate and territory conquered from both nations in 2014. The jihadists capitalized on the chaos of the Syrian civil war prompted by the violent repression of dissidents in 2011 by longtime dictator Bashar al-Assad. Assad dragged allies Russia and Iran into the civil war while the rebels fighting him, many of them Sunnis, attracted jihadist support from groups like Al-Qaeda. ISIS got its start as a wing of Al-Qaeda before late leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi split with the core of Al-Qaeda and formed ISIS. Christians faced extreme persecution in Syria during this time from other jihadist groups. 
the Assad regime itself. Though Assad has endeavored to frame himself as a savior of the Assyrian people, and both Kurdish groups active against ISIS on the ground and Turkish soldiers who invaded Syria after ISIS fell to limit the influence of the Kurdish fighters that liberated the caliphate capital, Raqqa, from the jihadist group. Now, what does all this mean? Most of these Christians, folks, they were slaughtered, they were assassinated, they were shot, they were beheaded just because they were Christians. Let me tell you something that you probably don't know, and this just blows my mind. You remember two wars with Iraq. We were in two wars with Iraq, right? The first one was basically because of their invasion of Kuwait. That was the first one. The second one was the belief and the so-called evidence that um, there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. So we went in and we took out their leader. Do you know what happened for decades on his watch? Christianity thrived in Iraq and thrived in Syria. Now, how could that happen in Muslim countries? Well, it happened this way. He left them alone. He left them alone. He encouraged the Muslim people to be Muslim, to practice Islam, but he left the Christians alone. We took him out. And in Iraq and in Syria, Christianity has plummeted because they're killing Christians. That's a wrap on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Don't fret. We're back tomorrow, Thursday, 9 to 11 a.m. Catch this show in its entirety at Spotify. Also, at Apple Podcasts. See you tomorrow, folks. Have a great one. Just